0: Hey, a quick note before we jump in today, um, I want to make sure that you don't miss this. There's just a few days left to sign up for Admission, the uh, learning community, training community. Uh, it's so hard to even sum it up in one thing. It. Listen, the point is don't, don't take another course and don't do that. Instead, jump into Admission, youradmission.co, which is a community with a mix of live coaching hun- I and mean, backlog of hundreds of like course type stuff, webinars, trainings, all that kind of stuff. Um, jump in, get into there and get better as a media buyer and an e-commerce thinker more broadly. Admission is just unparalleled as a training um, center for being great in e-commerce, youradmission.co. Uh, the the thing is, once or twice a year, they have like a one-week or two-week period where they open up, uh, the, the leaders of the admission, they open it up, no credit card required, no sign-up required, none of that. You just get to try it for free. Um, and, uh, and so go check that out. There's a couple more days to go do that. They've actually had um, five group coaching live webinars um, where there's like live group coaching with... Real experts around what to do for BFCM this year. Um, three of those are already passed. You can actually watch them. They'll, they'll, like all the content there, it's in there for you. Um, but there's two more still coming by the time that this episode drops. So um, so definitely go check that out, youradmission.co. It is the best training that I know of in existence for being a better um, e-commerce thinker, media buyer specifically. Go get in there right now while it's free. Uh, I I just, if you're not doing it and you're training, learning at all, I just don't know why you're not doing it. It's literally free. There's no requirement. Go check it out. Youradmission.co. All right, let's jump in. Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris. Thanks again for joining me as always. I am so glad you were listening today. Um. I'm gonna, I'm going to, uh, what's the word? Pontificate a little bit. Opine, maybe, would be the word. Um, I'm gonna tell you about some of the things that are happening at 4x400, really kind of internally for me, and for I would say for the rest of my leadership team. Um, and, and what I wanna talk really about today is leadership and developing real leadership conviction so that you're not operating in your business from just a place of doing what someone told you is smart, but actually, developing a real point of view, real conviction. I want to tell you about uh, how we're doing that right now in our brands, how I think it's going to pay off uh, and um, and how to keep doing it yourself. I hope it's going to be some help to you. I hope it's going to be some encouragement to you. Let's jump in. So 4x400 right now we're thinking a lot about kind of the core structure of our business. If you've been following uh, Taylor Holiday on Twitter and you should be, uh, you'll know that one of the things that he is talking a lot about right now is finance and about thinking carefully about what are the financial genetic, what are the genetic uh, components of a of successful brands from a finance perspective. What I mean is sort of like, at the end of the day, this is all a big math game. And it's just, I've, I've think about it sort of like this, like every product that you buy in a business is, um, is an investment. And you buy that product. I mean, literally the product you buy from your manufacturer, you buy that product because you believe you will be able to turn that product into more money, right? So you go to a manufacturer and you give that, let's say you give them $10 for a single unit of the product that you're buying. You do that because you believe that the $10 that you spend on that product will turn into more money. That's fundamentally what is happening. And it's um, and in that respect, it's not very different than buying a stock. You buy a stock because you believe that that stock will turn into more money. Now, of course, the difference, there is a, big, a major difference, which is that you don't get to control the marketing of the stock. Um, so, so how you actually go about selling it is that, you know, there's a difference there. But in terms of what you're trying to accomplish, you're trying to take some amount of money and turn it into more money. And understanding how that works and all of the elements of that exchange and the timing of all of it, you you know, ends up playing an important role in finance and, or ends up, ends up being sort of how you think about the financial genetic components of your business. And, um, and from the perspective, and there's another thing that you buy, which is customers. So this is the other element. This is something you're spending money on. I mean, really everything you do in a business is an investment of dollars that you're allocating capital towards something. And you have to believe that that capital allocation is then creating value in some way or another, every employee you spend on, every chair in the office, every computer, whatever. Um, so that this could go a million ways, but at the, at the very center of where the business operates is buying a product that you then sell and then buying a customer. And, um, and so let's say you spend $10 for a product. Let's say you spend $10 for a customer. Okay. Now you've spent $20 And there are elements of that product and that customer that are sort of genetic to those that are going to make them more or less valuable and therefore better or worse investments over shorter or longer time periods. And all of these things factor in. And at the end of the day, everything in your business really comes down to that, right? How how valuable the customer is, not everything, that's overstated, but large, large portions of it uh, comes down to... um, how do I spend the least money possible, the least amount of dollars possible to acquire the most valuable, to get the most valuable thing possible and where that valuable thing could be broken up most fundamentally probably into the customer and the product. Because uh, one thing we know for sure when we use Statless, uh, Statless.io, uh, like Atlas with an S-T, uh, Statless.io is that you, uh, that you are that different products produce different behaviors in, in customers, that people who buy product A have a different response, um, you know, come back and buy more product or less, or more product from me at a different rate than people who buy, buy product B, okay? So I, I talk about this all the time, but the classic example here is the uh, skin quiz kits from, uh, for Bamboo Earth, that if you if you buy a custom skin, skin kit, uh, skincare routine from us, you're very likely to come back very soon and spend more money with us. And so if we can sell that custom kit to somebody, that becomes the, um, the ideal way to acquire a customer for us. Okay? Uh, and that makes sense. It's the best possible experience you can have with a Bamboo Earth product. So there you go. Um, in the midst of that, uh, it, there's also different behaviors relative to different age groups, right? So I know that a, that a 50-year-old woman is very likely to be a much more valuable customer to me than a um, 19-year-old woman. And there's all kinds of reasons for that, right? But I know that's true. So if I can sell a custom kit to a 50-year-old woman, that becomes a great use of my money um, and my ad dollars. And by the way, this is how we talk about advertising, okay? We talk about um, a- buying customers. So that's why we use the, the acronym CAC, right? Customer Acquisition Cost. How much does it cost me to acquire a customer? Well, um, well, and it's also why CAC is an incomplete metric because what it doesn't factor in is, or it doesn't tell you everything you need to know, because what it doesn't factor in is the value of the customer, and that's where something like ROAS, or even better, sort of a 60-day, um, you know, cash multiplier, becomes the way to think about this. Um, that that's another uh, sort of uh, idea from Taylor that that um, the value is not just in what you get on day one, but the value is what you get over sort of a 60-day window, and, and a longer window than that, but that uh, from a cash perspective, that if you can return that money in a 60-day window, you feel really good. So anyway, I'm getting into the weeds quickly, but here's why I say all that. First, so that you think about your brand that way. It's something that uh, we're doing more of. Secondly, I wanna touch on that thing that I just said, which is that this is something we're doing more of. We're starting to break our business down much better into these kinds of things. And uh, and to really break apart all of the components that goes into the things I just said. For example, um, you know, what makes my business, uh, I like, I like if I can get terms on with my manufacturer, right. And it becomes a better investment in terms of the cash that gets produced. Um, at the end of the day, when I actually sell the product to customers, or, uh, if I can get a short lead time, it allows me to tie up less cash in inventory. Cause I have to plan for inventory less and, uh, and, then that means I can, you know, make more use of my cash in other places and so on, okay? So we're starting to think in these ways. Um, but the actual point I really wanna make is that this is a sort of uh, complex set of thoughts and behaviors. And there is a difference between knowing, knowing that that is true, that this is how cash works in a business, in an e-commerce business anyway, There's a difference in knowing that that is true and like believing it from your heart. (laughs) Uh, Like I can affirm to you. And I think if you've ever tried to explain something to anyone, you know, you may know what it feels like to sort of get caught up because you can feel the mismatch between your command and command is a helpful word here. I think Your command of a subject matter and your ability to communicate it to somebody else. They then experience command of it as well. And um, great teachers are great in part because they are excellent at this transfer, not in part, probably in whole, because they're excellent at this transfer of information. And, and um, I've, I've said this before, I think, but C.S. Lewis, who is one of the best communicators of all time, uh, C.S. Lewis, the sort of Christian writer, apologist uh, from the 20th century, author of Chronicles of Narnia, um, he, he is maybe the all-time clearest writer that I can ever remember. Every single time I'm reading C.S. Lewis and I get lost in a thought and now like, he's explaining something to me, and I'm I'm like not tracking him all the way, I am amazed that at that very moment, he provides an illustration or an explanation in some way that get the point across. So, sometime, if you've never read the book, uh, the, the, this is the best book, this is the best example of this I can think of, uh, Mere Christianity, which he gave as a series of radio addresses during the World War II era, um, sort of explaining why he believed what he believed as a Christian. Okay, so it's sort of, philosophical and theological. He's a, he's a thinker, right? He's a smart guy. So he's going through this, you know, not, not just saying I, you know, believe the Bible or whatever, but like sort of really breaking down why he believed Christianity was true. Okay. It's unbelievable to read it because every single possible time you, you feel like you're like getting lost in the book. Uh, and it's probably why the book is so enduring. It's still a, you know, super bestseller or whatever. Um, every time you feel like you're getting lost in the book, uh, he stops and gives you an explanation and illustration. And there are some teachers who are so gifted at this. And the net effect of that at the end of the day is that then the listener to that teacher, even if you disagree with them, right? You may read Mere Christianity and still not want to be a Christian. That's whatever. But like the point is at the end of the day, you end up, uh, you end up knowing exactly what he is saying. You know exactly what he's saying. I actually had a friend read that book a long time ago who was not a Christian and who had that experience with it. And she just went, wow, it was like amazing. I, I understood all of it. She still wasn't a Christian at the end, but she she completely tracked his argument, completely tracked everything he was saying. Despite that it points, it gets a little bit esoteric. You know, it's tough. So... Um, so uh, another example of this, and, and I'm drawing a lot on my uh, background right now with some reading I've done in the space of theology, in part because theology as, as, a, as a discipline, as sort of an academic discipline, is really in the humanities. It's highly conceptual. So there's a lot of explaining of ideas and concepts that have to happen. But there's this, there's this um, example in the history of the Christian church where, um, where these two guys in the uh, early, um, early part, I think it's fourth century probably, so a long time ago, named Augustine and Jerome, are having an argument about, um, about, uh, and this is awkward, but circumcision. And it's because in the Jewish faith, right, um, circumcision happens as part of what it means to follow the law, and Christianity came from Jewish roots, and so early Christians had to figure out, was it still important for them to be circumcised? And, uh, and, and did that matter? And there's, I'm not going to go into the whole, uh, to circumcise boys. So I'm not going to go into the whole thing uh, on that. But the point is, in the early church, these two theologians, Augustine and Jerome, were talking about this, okay? I, I promise this is going to get back to e-commerce, I promise. So just hang with me for a second. Um, and Jerome said, we need to legislate in the church. We need to make certain that nobody gets circumcised, okay? And Augustine said, Well, I think, basically, I think it's probably best that people are not circumcised as Christians. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. So again, just go with it for a second. Um, um, But I think Christians also can have some freedom on this. They can. There's not like a clear you must or you must not. And what's really important to me, Augustine says, is that we do not legislate it. We do not legislate it. And he says, and essentially, the reason why he thought that was because, and this is the crucial point, he did not just want uh, people to do or not do this thing. He wanted them to believe something. He wanted them to have something happen in their minds and hearts in relation to why this was important in their faith and for that to then motivate their decision. So he didn't just want to get to the decision, right? He wanted to actually have the individual um, person at church be able to make to be able to think through it and to be able to have a belief at the end of the day. And what I am experiencing right now uh, so much as a CEO, it, by the way, what that creates in the long term um, is instincts. It creates a set of core beliefs and values that you have command of um, that then motivate your behavior. So what I am experiencing right now, and I'll just tell you as a I've been a CEO now for um, under two years still, okay? And I've been in e-commerce for longer than that, but I, I've had to think through decision making in different ways. And what I'm experiencing right now is that things that I believed were true before are just starting to be internalized. And the thing that I'm realizing is that I wish I would have done that sooner. I would have made a lot less mistakes. Now it's possible. And one of the things I want to say here as an encouragement to you is that the mistakes are actually how the internalization happens. At least they are one part of it. There is a knowledge transfer that is very hard to do in something as experiential as running a business that that is very hard to do just on a pure knowledge basis. Making the mistakes is part of how the internalization and in the command happens so that you can operate your business from a place of conviction and belief. And, um, and, and, you know, that actually is, um, is formed by real point of view and an informed point of view and, um, and so making the mistakes, especially if you can get around, and this is crucial, some smart people who can help point them out to you and you can be open to that and you can listen and be humble in a conversation and, and have somebody be speaking to these things. What it will do for you and what I'm telling you, I'm experiencing this like right now, to, today, yesterday, this week, is I'm seeing mistakes that we have made in our in our businesses that I would have told you if somebody explained to me the situation a while ago were mistakes a year ago. I would have said, Oh, that's a cash mistake. It's not ideal, but I, it did not land on me how big of a mistake it was. It just didn't. I just didn't understand it enough. And what I really have needed to do is go through the experience of learning. And so, um, so first, be encouraged. This is actually the main thing I wanted to say in this episode. I am eating. There are ways in which we are experiencing the consequences of of those mistakes now, and they're challenging. Okay, but I'm I, we're gonna get through them. Okay, I really believe that. What we're doing now, though, is starting to ask questions to not, to not um, go through those mistakes again and to really try to, to sort of um, change as needed the genetic components, uh, do some gene editing in our businesses, in our brands, to say, um, how do we make sure that these brands are set up in core ways to not make these mistakes again? What do we have to do to go fight to go make these things happen? What a, and there's, there's an element of this where um, I'm just telling you, uh, I know for a fact that people hold certain things dear to them because they believe they're so crucial to a, uh, a product or something that, that, that like some emotional distance can really help here. Because um, as you think about your product mix and, and your customer experience and all that, there are times when, um, when, first of all, what you believe about your customer experience isn't even true. Uh, you know, you think some product is super crucial and important to it because you have an experience with it, but but actually your customers aren't experiencing it the same way at all. Um, but secondly, um, sometimes it's it's also, even even if you have some sense that it's real, like it has a much less effect of an impact than you have, or it's bad for your bottom line, and therefore it works against you even if the customer does love it. And so you have to change something. Um, and some emotional distance there can really help. So the the point is, um, the, the point is... Uh, What is the point? (laughs) I just lost my train of thought. Um, The point is we're changing the fundamentals of the business in certain ways. We're addressing and thinking about how does does money move through our brands in these different ways and how do we set us up for more cash success in the future because these things are happening. And I'm telling you, it feels really good now. Uh, So having that uh, interaction, making those mistakes, seeing those problems is... um, You know, there is a point where those things are going from affirmations, and maybe this is the way to think about it, to instincts, affirmations to convictions. Um, Not just something I sort of say is yes, true, but something that actually uh, is an operating principle at the center of my thinking about our brands. Um, And that is really important. So be encouraged. It comes with time if you can just stay on it, if you can stay learning, if you can get people to input. This is one of the advantages to working with like Um, an agency. Like I have this experience, um, with, because I get to work with Taylor, the way that I do Taylor, part of the way that he has formed these convictions is that he has looked at 200 businesses, you know, 200 brands. And so that is a really, I mean, that is the fundamental, um, value of an agency ultimately, right? Is that they get to see way more stuff. So their position and their perspective is going to be formed by a broader range of things. They theoretically can learn a lot faster than you can. Um, so, so yeah, so that's, um, So that's part of it. So be encouraged. Secondly, um, think about this when you teach things in your organization. Um, I've done actually quite, I've done quite a bit of teaching in my life and I have watched this work out a lot of different ways and I've seen it happen in all kinds of settings. Um, in educational settings in church settings in business settings, I've seen it happen all over where, um, what I, what I want to do, even conversations with friends, what I want to do is impart a conviction to somebody. I want to Take this thing that I believe because I've done a bunch of thinking about it or reading about it or whatever, and I want to impart that belief to somebody else. And this is a, this is a breakdown in all kinds of cultural conversation. Somebody believes one thing really strongly and they and it's really important to them and maybe it's a matter of justice and it's important right but the reason that they then want to um, the reason that they uh, th- or but that what happens because it is important sorry, lost my train of thought for a second there because it's important. They want to impart that conviction to somebody else, but the tendency is to forget all of the work that you did or that person did to get to that conviction and to just try to impart the conviction. It doesn't work. You have to actually, if, if it's worth doing, you actually have to get somebody into the belief itself. You have to change. They have to actually go through the work of doing that. And a lot of mix-up and communication happens and a lot of misalignment happens when you don't communicate these things clearly. So actually another takeaway for me right now is that as we start to think more about these elements in our business, I'm thinking also as a leader, how do I communicate these down through the brand? How do I make sure that I'm getting People to be motivated as much as possible by this same set of convictions. Well, I actually have to do some explaining and illustrating, and really work through the ideas, and uh, and that takes work and time and effort to teach well. So that's second. Um, as you as you work things down through your organization, don't just impart the, con- the the affirmation; get them to have conviction. Okay. Last thing here. This is also the reason why it is really helpful to be seeking, I, I kind of touched on this when talking about agencies, but, uh, it's really helpful to be seeking, um, uh, to be seeking out information and help from, from, uh, from other sources of experts. Okay. So I'll give you a practical example. I'm reading the book, the outsiders right now. Uh, book got some attention. I've seen it floating around e-commerce, Twitter and some spaces I know Taylor recommended it. Um, it's just been so incredibly helpful to me. It's, it's been a bit like my experience. You, you might know I'm a big baseball fan. Uh, when I read Moneyball, it changed my perspective on baseball. And that launched me into a whole way of thinking about baseball that was different. And I continue to think about baseball that way today. And a lot of my beliefs about what makes for successful baseball teams that I first got from Moneyball have since changed. And that's true across... How baseball works in general. So Moneyball didn't finish the learning. Moneyball taught me a new way of seeing and viewing what was happening in baseball so that when uh, a, a pitcher throws a pitch and a hitter hits a ground ball to shortstop and the shortstop throws him out at first, right? If that sequence happens, I have a way of thinking about that sequence that now is m- much broader than just that moment uh, and doesn't feel just like some kind of random thing. I can think about what kind of hitter that hitter is and how many ground balls he hits and what does that mean and why does he hit ground balls? and Should he hit less ground balls? And what about the pitcher? Does the pitcher try to get ground balls or is that a mistake and blah, blah, blah. And all of those instincts are, um, all of those, all of those things about how I view a baseball game now. And you might be thinking it's really boring to live in my head as a sports fan, but I, I love it. It's, it's how I, I enjoy things. Um, all of those things were formed by first um, getting this information and then continuing to engage with intelligent people on this topic, right? So, you you know, there's baseball analytics websites. And so I've read those and I do that. And that's just a hobby. It's just fun for me. Um, but what I'm seeing now as I'm reading The Outsiders, I'm having a very similar experience where I'm going like, oh, there's this whole way of thinking about how you make a successful business work that these CEOs that this book is chronicling are, are thinking about. And I, I you know, it's just the beginning of the learning for me. But what I know is that as I do that, it will then give me tools to keep learning. And this is this is part of the value of finding truly very smart people. And it might not be me. Like there's, there's like an explosion of, of e-commerce podcasts right now and the barrier to entry is so low. Like you gotta make sure you're actually hearing from people who have learned and who have done stuff. And even these profiles in The Outsiders or CEOs who were in their position for, you know, had s- sustained success over 20, 30 year periods, that kind of thing. Um, so, so, you know, it, you got to filter out good information from bad. Cause there's, I mean, to use my baseball analogy again, there's a lot of baseball writers who were saying things that seemed obvious and true and they said them with conviction and they were just wrong for a long time, including in response to Moneyball when it came out. So, um, so, uh, yeah, so, so all of that to say, um, this is the reason for continuing education and why it's important to find good sources and, and to, and to stay up with them because it will be a part, it's not the entire thing. Experience is a major teacher here, but teachers are also teachers. And th- when you spend that time reading and thinking and working through ideas like that in that kind of setting, what it will do for you is it will start turning your brain around and helping you do that. Stop and write about it as you read and con- consider your thoughts. That'll help you think. Um, because as you can start to develop those skills, you'll then develop, con- uh, as, as you work through those thoughts, you'll develop your own set of convictions. Okay. And as you develop your own set of convictions, they will become more core to how you operate, and you'll operate from that place instead of just trying to parrot what somebody else told you. Okay, uh, so you've got to develop the convictions yourself. So, um, so be encouraged. Um, you know, experience a good teacher. If you are struggling right now, stay as close as you can to that learning. Um, I don't remember what number two was. <laughs> oh man. Oh, teach, teach, teach people. Um, when you teach, teach people to actually learn the thing you're learning. Uh, don't just give them the affirmation, help them develop the conviction. And uh, and third, keep learning yourself. Uh, get the input, do it. That is how you will develop instincts and convictions around all kinds of things. That's what we're trying to do right now. And now we just got to see them through operationally, which will be a whole another set of learning. Well, like I said, I, I hope that wasn't um, me talking at you uh, in terms of telling you another thing to get better at like as if you needed more of that as if you had any time for that but in part to encourage you like i said around uh, this idea that these things will come uh, if you can just stay close to the learning in some way or another um i would love to hear what you are experiencing conviction about right now in business email me podcast at 4 i think i've replied to just about every email i've gotten um i'd love any questions you have anything you want me to cover anything you're thinking through fire it off podcast at 4 uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Andrew J. Ferris. And like I said, follow Taylor Holiday at Taylor Holliday on Twitter. He's, he's, he's had a lot of really good stuff on this subject recently. Make sure you're there. Make sure you're on Twitter and involved in interacting um, there. People ask me occasionally about sort of where to start with e-commerce Twitter. I think um, WebSmith, at Web, at Web has a list of um, e-commerce Twitter people to follow that you should use. Uh, That's the way to do that. Hey, thanks for listening so much. Hope things are going well with you. I would love ratings, reviews, shares, all of those things as always. They really do help. I appreciate it. I hope you're having a great week and we'll talk to you next time.